Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Good afternoon, listeners. It's Cam Smith here, coming to you live from East Brunswick, across from me, through the glass. Hermetically sealed in here. Hello, Cam. It's Matt Stebbin here with you again. Have they added water to you and you've just... <laughs> just Here I am, hermetically sealed units, ready to go. Christ, we're adaptable. It does feel a little bit Groundhog Day-ish, doesn't it? It's like, oh, here just, we are again. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, yes, we're back, people, uh, but you know that. And uh, we have an hour of food. Yes. And, um, and food. Not so much booze today, actually, which is we probably all need a drink, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> why, why didn't we do absinthe cocktails today, Matt? I did see the... the we re- should have brought that forward. The 2020 retail figures for the beverage industry, were, I think were released during the week, and they are... Alarming. Well, they're good for the beverage industry, let's put it that way. Probably not that great for your liver. Uh, But understandably, uh, I think people were imbibing a little more at home Yes, and probably continue to do so since Friday we find ourselves sort of back in uh, in lockdown again. Indeed. And um, um, Dan, Dan Murphy's are bringing out their commemorative T-shirt with the liver is evil and must be punished. Yeah? Did you buy one of those? I feel like yeah, it's like those you know, the band tour T-shirts with all the all the dates on the back. I feel like Dan Murphy's could do one with uh, with all the lockdown dates. Yeah. Anyway, uh, enjoy Northern responsibly. Northern beaches. <laughs> enjoy responsibly. Uh, what are we going to do in a beautiful little bit of happenstance? I happen to be talking to the August, the wonderful mm. Rosemary Stanton. Yes. Our clean skin nutritionalist, as I like to call her. And you've got, we've got a fairly, I'm not going to call it a basic topic, but a very simple topic to start with, with Rosemary today. Uh, what, the original one or the one that evolved? Oh, well, I was going to go OJ. Okay, yes. Uh, OJ, yes or no? My line that I wrote for this was falling stars in the orange landscape. <laughs> Is that nice? Uh, I, I remember when I were a lad. We yeah. thought orange juice, you know... Those... When you were living in Lancashire. Yes. <laughs> picking picking apples for scrumpy. But you'd go to, like, the supermarket, <laughs> there'd be those big two-litre bottles of berry OJ, and you thought they were healthy. It's like, oh, I'm drinking something that's good for me. I but know, it's I know. Not. The dentists were rubbing their hands together yes. for one because of the acid that it sets up in the mouth. That... Acid and sugar. Yeah, acid and sugar. Yeah. Boo! A winner, winner. Um, we might talk a little bit about that. Um, it's a emotional topic, especially if you happen to have paddocks full of orange groves. Yes. <laughs> You'd be a little bit pissed off. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk to Rosemary about that. And funnily enough, at, as I said, 10.30 on Friday when I had a chat with Rosemary, I thought, maybe we should have a little bit of a chat about lockdown nutrition. Yes. Funny that, huh? Um, so, we might talk a little bit about that, the good, the bad, the uh, things that she has noticed. Uh, one of them is actually portion size. Gone up uh, or gone well, down as we're not doing anything? Well, we're just – sometimes we're cooking recipes that are really for four people and um, couples are happily devouring oh, yeah. them and going, yeah, yeah that was go- – heads yeah, up. Yeah, I, I do that, yeah. Do you? Yeah. Okay, well, you're looking still pretty trim. But we'll talk to Rosemary about that. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a chat to a rather disgruntled uh, John at the market. 
Um, hopefully we can bring a little bit of sunshine to his life. He claims that I do. I drove past the Vic Market on the way in and yes, Did very, you wave? very empty, as you would expect, because only fresh food is allowed to trade. No one there. Pat Nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the trials of uh, having a festival oh, built yes. around food. Yes. Um, it's safe at the moment, but um, I very much look forward to having a chat to the creative director of the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, Pat Nurse, regarding what the program has in store for us this year. Yes. And, um, yeah, what it looks like and who's cooking the longest lunch and... We'll ask him to do his Julie Andrews with some of the events. Speaking of festivals, which is just a, a shout out to our friends in Apollo Bay because the excellent Apollo Bay Seafood Festival was supposed to be this weekend and uh, obviously would have been cancelled at very short notice. So, and, and that's just one example of, you know, uh, a lot of prearranged events and, and restaurants even just ordering for Valentine's Day. It's just been a really tumultuous 72 hours, so uh, positive thoughts to all if you're sitting there staring it's... at a pile of food you've ordered that you can no longer cook. Oh, my God. It's been a wicked little triumvirate, hasn't it? Yes. Because when you think about it, um, in a way, one of the biggest buzzkills in a restaurant we can have, we've joked about it over the years, have we not, Matt, Valentine's you, you say, Day? Can you just explain why you, Valentine's Day is a bit of a buzzkill? Because, of course, it's busy. Yeah. All your tables are full, but... It's hushed. Hushed because you come into the kitchen and you go ordering two people <laughs> ordering two. Your whole restaurant has been reconfigured for yep. two people looking longingly, hopefully, into each other's eyes. The frisson, the tension <laughs> of perhaps great love making that might take place afterwards. <laughs> Makes all things a little bit earnest and a little bit quiet. So yeah. uh, uh, Valentine's Day as a as a uh, as a night for restaurateurs and people front of the house is just like oh god. They, it's it takes away all the atmosphere of a restaurant mm-hmm. most of the time. Uh, you just have two, so the kitchen is sort of like uh, uh, yeah. Uh. Anyway, it's not a lot of fun for that. But on the other hand, on the other mm-hmm. extreme, Matt. From the hush thing of two people looking at each other going, so do you like stuff? Um, to the exuberance and the, and the gustatory expressions of, uh, of, uh, of so much food when mm. we think about Chinese New Year. Ah, yes. Welcome to the Year of the Ox. We're in Ox. Oxland. Oxland. <laughs> Oxland. But, um, Welcome back, mighty ox. Yeah. So the world has changed a lot since you were last here. The, the ox. We have to work out what the ox is all about. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's done. And, yeah, so people like uh, all the people that would have ordered food for Apollo Bay, corn dog. Uh, very, yes. um, we hardly get to speak to him, but Richard Cornish, much admired uh, yes. part of the uh, – the scene of, uh, what do we call it, uh, restaurant writing and promotion yep. and all that sort of thing. Hilly McNevin. Um, I, do I have much more? Oh, You were, were going to say lockdown, quick lockdown recipe. All right. This sounds good. It's not brain surgery. And it's not... It's, it's not, not rocket surgery. It's not fine dining. It's not fine dining, but it's one of those things that it's um, a great dish to, A, clean out the pantry. Yep. Uh, and then, B, go into the zombie locker where... Most of us have prepared yes. 
I know. I was feeling a bit better about lockdown because it's like, yeah, I still got all this canned food up in the attic. Um, bring down a tin mm. of tuna. Bring down a uh, a tin of beans. You can use pretty much any um, red kidney beans work. Mm-hmm. Uh, cannellini. Am I saying that right? Cannellini? Yeah. Yeah, the white ones. Yeah, yummy. I, don't want to, I was going to say cannoli beans, but that'd be wrong, <laughs> especially if there was anyone Sicilian listening. So cannoli beans, you could probably do it with chickpeas. Basically, what you are doing is a cold salad. So mm-hmm. in a bowl, you empty out... Uh, rinse out the beans because mm-hmm. don't you want that? Mm-hmm. So that's um, goodness in there. Um, drain the tuna. I, I like using uh, a certain brand name with a mermaid on it. Yep, uh, the one with the chilies in it, the Arabiata. Matt, we discussed this before. You are a I'm a I'm a lemon and pepper kind of kind of guy. guy. Yeah, it's kind of guy. Not quite so angry as I am. <laughs> Um, yes. So I like mine a little bit angry, or as the Italians go, arrabbiata, which mm-hmm. I reckon is one of the most beautiful words to describe food. I, that's why I love Italians. I really do. So chop up an onion, red if you got it. Yeah. You can probably get away with a white one or a brown one, but you want some onion. Want some spring onion if you got them. Yep. Do the onion, uh, don't, one thing I, I really, really hate, and mm-hmm. I'm going into time with this, is there is a certain reaction with oxidization of onion that if you chop up onion and mm. just leave it, mm. it will change and it will become the aroma becomes very terrible and yeah, right. not good. So you've got to chop to order. Yeah, pretty Which much. Try to do that. Just do... before you eat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. All right. So you can put a bit of garlic if you want. So basically what you're doing is you're mis- mixing the tuna mm. with um, the beans um, and then you, make, you need to make a little dressing. And what I use is some of the oil from the tuna mm-hmm. mixed with some um, red wine, white wine vinegar. You want something that's pretty butch, grapey, not um, not the cane vinegar because that's awful and should be nowhere near what you use for cooking, right? Yeah. It's good for doing windows and that, but forget about it. To that, you just clean out the um, uh, the fridge. So I add some celery, yeah. cut that into a brunoise. Uh, what else did I have? I had some little chili, um, some bell peppers. Yep. Bullhorns, actually. Yep. Yep. Cut that up, put that in there. Parsley, mix it all up, salt, pepper, um, a little bit of lemon, and then serve that with a couple slices of toast. And it's easy. It's awesome. It's, It's really healthy, too. Yeah. 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 No worries. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. You know what's going on over here. Rosemary, we spoke, oh, what was it, Friday about 10.30? And Rosemary Stanton, look what happened, huh? Uh, yes, well... Who knows when it's going to happen to any of us? I <laughs> know. Uh, it's the vicissitudes of pandemics, <laughs> shall we say. It is indeed, yep. And um, we've had a double-barreled conversation. I thought I'd um, ring you and take well, – was pretty much an easy story to, to have a chat with you about. And um, I was sort of referring to the orange landscape and falling stars. All <laughs> right. That's absolutely true. I mean, the, um, there's been a, a, a push by uh, a lot of the public health people to say, look, we don't really want 
produce is getting five stars. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the reason for that is not because fruit juice isn't a good healthy food. It is. Uh, yeah. It's got lots of vitamin C, but the problem is that it now comes in quantities uh, when you get it ready made and in a in a box or in a bottle or in whatever. Um, you get the amount that you're having the equivalent often of five or six oranges in one go, and you wouldn't ever eat that many oranges. We'd say to people, please eat an orange, eating an orange every day if you like, good idea. Rosemary. Uh, great for the orange growers, great for your health, great for everything, but you don't need five or six of them in a juice that you swallow in about 30 seconds. Can we start with the first... First of all, maybe let, let's start with the, the fact uh, on this side of the equation, orange juice is good. Why is it good? Well, it's good because it contains a lot of vitamin C and it contains a lot of folate, which is one of the B group vitamins. Uh, so that makes it, you know, a really healthy food. But just because something's good doesn't mean more is better. <laughs> Correct. And on the other side of the equation, we have uh, the idea that fruit juices are basically empty calories, mostly fruit, um, mostly sugar. Um, what sort of sugars are we talk? Is that fructose? That'd be fructose, wouldn't it? Fru- well, fructose, and, fructose is yeah, glucose and sucrose. So yeah, yes. it doesn't really matter what kind of sugar it is. It's just um, it still breaks it's just down. a large amount of sugar. And now in the days when people used to have orange juice, I mean, I'm one of these old people who talks about when I was a kid. If you wanted orange juice, mm. your mother or your father cut open an orange and squeezed it for you. Oh. you. Usually added a bit of water to make it a bit more. And if you had an orange tree, you got two oranges squeezed for you. But you certainly didn't get six for each kid. Um, and that's what you're getting in many of the size packs that people now think is, is suitable. And the dietary guidelines looked at this um, years ago. And in New Zealand, the dietary guidelines said, "Well, we're not going to we're going to count sugar as one of what we call discretionary foods, an extra you can have if you you know haven't got any weight problems and all the rest of it." Mm. But in in Australia, we said, "Well, look, there are." Times when people just can't get hold of fruit, they might be in, you know, some isolated place or something or other, and maybe if they've got some juice, uh, that would be good. So half a cup—that's one twenty-five mils—occasionally yes. would be fine. But I mean, those little, you know, those little popper box type things that kids take to school—they've got two fifty mils. So that's. You know, half of one of those is what we're talking about. When you go and buy a bottle, it might have 600 mils, 750 mils, which once would have fed the entire family, uh, a large family at that, and now people drink it as one thing. So the World Health Organization, in looking at the fact that we need... Look, you don't have to have no sugar, but you have to have less sugar than what most people consume. And they have what they call free sugars, which are sugars that come without a lot of nutrients attached. Now, when you eat the orange, of course, you've also got dietary fibre, which is really good and fills you up so you don't eat six oranges straight off because you'd get too full. Um, But when you take out everything and just leave the sugar, then they call this free sugars. And they include not only the sugar that comes from sugar cane, uh, but they also include fruit juice because you've taken away the fibre, so all you're getting, you're getting sugar but nothing else. Well, you're getting some some vitamins. Now, the Health Star program, I think where people do have, you know, farmers have got a, a, a valid point, is that not all of the fruit juices are going to drop in their stars. Some will still get four stars, uh, particularly ones that have got vegetable bits in them. Um, if you make your own juice with carrot and celery and, you know, stick an orange in it or something or other, that'll be fine. Mm. You'll have to make it yourself. Uh, but they've started, they started saying, well, look, the, the low-calorie, uh, those low-diet drink things, the diet cola, will now get more stars than some juices. Some juices will get far more than the diet 
collar, but in my book, the diet collar should get none. Yeah. Um, and so, because it, it's got nothing of, of use to you, it's no, damaging it's, no to your folates, teeth. Because it's, no folates. It's acidic. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing no, that's no good at all. So the whole idea that juices should score the same as those, I think the fault is... The fault is with the, the diet drinks, which should go down to zero. They shouldn't be counted as, as having any validity, in, not in terms of health stars. Now, as you know, I don't care if people eat anything at all occasionally, mm. but people do drink litres of that stuff, and although it mightn't give them any calories, it's terribly damaging to their teeth. It's got a lot of additives. Um, you know, it's got a lot of, a lot of downsides, so no stars in my book. Uh, for that, those products, and that, so I think the orange growers have got a bit of a bit of a valid point that it is ridiculous if some of their products um, will score much the same as a diet drink. Does that mean that the uh, algorithm needs to be changed, or how, how does that get changed? Because it does seem like a, a ridiculous occurrence. The algorithm is really odd. I mean, I, I would advise people to look at the ingredients in foods rather than the health stars. The health stars might be useful occasionally if you've got two similar products and one's got four stars and one's got one and a half, then choose the four-star product if yeah. they look the same otherwise. But look at the ingredient list on foods, and frankly, the, the shorter the ingredient list, the better. And no um, numbers. Look, look at the nutrition panel and look at how much sugar it is. And if, if we could keep in mind that the World Health Organization suggests that People should have somewhere, you know, no more than between 15 and 50 grams of total sugars a day. Now, that's the, all of the added sugars you get and will include what you get, you know, in ice cream, tomato sauce, if you buy it, in, in honey, mm, yeah. in all of those things. Now, it's, it's varied because if you're, if you're slim and active, you can probably quite safely have 50 grams of, of added sugars a day. Um, but if you're a normal Australian, you probably should keep to about 20 20. And if you're overweight, yeah, and so that means, I mean, you know, you have one of those bottles of juice, you got up to 50 grams in Boom. one go. you're gone, you're gone. Okay, um, all right, so there it is. Uh, we will see what happens with that. Uh, the other thing that when we chatted, uh, when I got a hold of you on Friday, I said... Maybe we should just have a little chat about lockdown nutrition, not knowing what was going to what was uh, in front of us. And uh, wow, that's uh, that's topical. And, and you had a couple of things that you immediately said. Well, here's what I want to talk about, and one of those was uh, the interesting thing of portion size and recipes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's fantastic that people have realised you can actually cook food at home and you don't have to buy everything ready made. Hallelujah. Um, uh, so that that's the really good thing. Cook from scratch. The real problem, I think, is that uh, people often look at recipes, and, and I, I live in New South Wales, and I look at, at what's uh, in our Sydney Morning Herald every day. They have a recipe, and look, some days the recipe actually says serves four, mm. but. I talk to people and they say, oh, I made that recipe. It was really nice, you know. It was terrific. I said, Is it, I know there's only two people in the family. Yeah, how were the leftovers, you said. So, did <laughs> there you have no a... leftovers. No, no leftovers. No leftovers. <laughs> yeah, i, I got to so say I my... People are cooking more and um, it's good that they're cooking. It's fantastic that they're cooking and cooking from basic ingredients because we're just having so many of these highly processed products and we really need to cut them way, way back. How does the mainstream person, the man and woman in the street, uh, work out what is supposed to be the portion size? I mean, you know, my ma said, never eat anything bigger than your head. 
uh, which she never said that, but it's, it sounds amusing when I say it, so I, I, I use that. But how do, Rosemary, how do we work out? What, what is a portion size that we can sort of gauge? Obviously, we can't do it instinctually because we tend to eat too much. That's right, and if you look at the if you look at the portion size on the packet of breakfast cereals, it'll fit on half a saucer because that's because they want to tell you there's hardly any kilojoules in the portion size, so they make their portion sizes really small, and no one sticks to those at all, and neither no. should they. No. They're a bit stupid. Um, but mind you, if you're having a sugary cereal, just you know put it back and go and buy some rolled oats or something or a decent <laughs> muesli. But uh, but basically, if you think about the dinner plate, which is where the portions really go, but, yeah. I mean most people Matt's will doing be it now. fairly happy with. If they're having a sandwich for lunch, they probably won't have ten unless they're mm-hmm. a teenage boy. Um, yep. It probably needs it, but, you know, they, they know that the portion is a sandwich, so that's all right. When you look at the dinner plate, yeah. you should make sure that no more than a quarter of it is the meat or so, the chicken or the whatever. So you shouldn't and have three, three shanks on the plate. <laughs> uh, I think the shanks are, you know, one one small one is more than enough. Yes, um, but you, yes. you just, for meat, you, or you can think of it as... Um, the piece of meat shouldn't be bigger than the palm of your hand. That's sort of one way to look at it. Or some people say the size of a pack of cards. We should have a bit less meat. It doesn't mean you can have none. But mm. with veggies, you can basically have as much as you like. And I think if you're cooking at home because you're locked down, get a decent veggie book. There are some fantastic ones around mm. uh, that show you how to cook lots of really, you know, really make something of the veggies. And those veggies, well, they can take up half your plate and or three quarters if you want, but the other the other quarter. So you've got quarter of meat, half of veggies at least, and and the the other quarter can be the rice or you know any grain or you know couscous or whatever you might be having there. Um, but if you don't want to have that, just fill up that extra quarter with veggies. So we really have to rethink, uh, as Cherry Ripe said so many years ago now. Uh, in her book, Goodbye Culinary Cringe, rethink the centre of your plate, get yourself a good cookbook. Do you recommend any good vegetarian cookbooks? Have you got, have you got a fave? Faves? Our, our uh, Israeli um, chef. Otolangi um, Simple. Otolangi, yep. I mean, he's, That's he's a ripper. They're fantastic. He's got some, they're not necessarily vegetarian, but it, yeah. all his books have fantastic things to do with vegetables. And I gave one to one of my granddaughters for Christmas, and mm. she rang me up and she said, mm. oh, Grandma, she said, we're loving the mm. food. It's fantastic. Um, and now she actually puts a bit of effort because she said she'd only ever, um, well, she, I think she actually said she'd only ever boil the veggies um, or bake <gasps> them if she was having a roast. But yes. she said, gosh, there's so many fantastic things with vegetables. They taste so good. Oh. And I think that's what we want to hear. Yes. So, you know, look, those sort of things. But, I mean, the Heart Foundation's now got um, stuff that you can pick up for nothing off their website, a whole lot of, of really interesting things to do with vegetables. So you can, you know, you look them up and there's, just look up recipes using any vegetable you've got or just vegetable recipes on the internet. You'll find lots of really healthy ones. If you've got one that, that uses, you know, 300 mils of cream and, and half a, you know, 200 grams of butter, skip those. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Use extra walk virgin away. olive oil when yeah. you want well, some, some a bit of flavour in it and use a good extra virgin olive oil. You get a really good flavour from, that means a good Australian one because uh, they're going to be fresher. Yeah. Um, so, you know, add some flavour with herbs, with spices, um, with a decent extra virgin olive oil, and the veggies will taste so good that the meat... You know, <laughs> I always think, what a pity that when you ask someone, what are we having for dinner, 
you're always told in terms of it's lamb chops or chicken or fish or whatever. No one ever gives much thought to the veggies, and we would be so much healthier. You don't have to leave the meat off. Just cut the meat down and do a bit more with the veggies. A vegetable epiphany could be coming your way. One book that I would recommend as well as Ottolenghi's Simple, don't know if you've seen it, our very own meaning Melbourne born and bred, Alice Zaslaski. Um, she's written an amazing book. It's called, uh, what was it, Fun with Veg? Um, yes, I'm getting a nod from Matt. Look up Alice Zaslaski. Have you seen that one at all? I haven't. I, oh, I, even, I even did one myself. In my praise of veg. Artist. Yeah, all right. I just did one on vegetables a few years ago. And when, when the, when the lockdown was, uh, sort of lockdown was on in New South Wales, uh, one of my friends said, I just got out your veggie book. She said, uh, I got all these things. I didn't know what to do with fennel and I didn't know what to do with this. And mine is just an A to Z of veggies. Mm. Um, it's not widely available, but I don't, you know, use anybody's. Um, but I just did one so that I went through the veggies that I could. Yeah, we should check it out. I could get a letter for. And I think my sister sold the paintings and she did much better out of it than I did selling the book. But <laughs> What's the book called, Rosemary? It's it just called, uh, I think it's called... Um, Rosemary's Vegetables. Oh, I don't know, Rosemary Stanton's veg- Vegetables, uh, That makes I think. more yeah. sense, yes, more... Something yes. like that. But my sister, whose name is Nerida Dijon, is a very good artist and she did, yeah. did paintings for all these vegetables and we put those in the book. So it was a bit of a combined effort from two sisters. Oh, I hope you got some of the botanical prints framed in your house. Rosemary, as always, we thank you for uh, your fabulous advice to us, unencumbered by commercial interests. That's why we love you so much. Uh, have a beautiful afternoon. Think of us down here. We hope to emerge and uh, be able to join our New South Wales cousins soon. Yeah, I'll be out in the veggie garden here. <laughs> Beauty. All right. Well, go and give those snails hell and uh, have an awesome afternoon. Thank you as always, Rosemary. My pleasure. Thank you. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. John, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, g'day, mate. How you going? Not too bad, yourself. I've adopted my John voice, slightly butch. G'day, mate. Yeah, how are <laughs> hey, you? It's a beautiful hey. day out here. Oh, is it? Did I bring sunshine without me being there? Well, it's more no, a reflective no, light than a, a real sunshine. It's not real strong, but it's good to be out. The air's nice and cool. Uh, you are a glass half full guy. That's what I love about you, John. Yeah, and the people are casually trickling through. Um, and I see that they're looking around at what's available and yeah. um, buying a bit of this and a bit of that. Yeah, are there any cherries left? Yeah, they're spruiking $10, um, Ten. for cherries, but you can pay anything from 10 to $30 a kilo, depending on size and firmness. Mm. Um, mostly these are Tasmanian cherries now, so they're uh, big plump cherries with a lot of juice. Wow. I love those. Uh, so, yeah, and obviously the crowds are, are down, I would imagine, yeah? Yes, it's um, a little bit slower than what I like, but like I said, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a plug and a plug. It is what uh, it is. We're trickling through, and um, we'll see what happens between now and 4 o'clock. Yeah, well, we're, we're all, uh, and and, uh, and by extension, we'll see what happens uh, 
Next week, Monday, uh, tomorrow's numbers will probably be the big key to it all. Um, what uh, what else is uh, are you seeing around there when you look around the market for produce? Uh, and I see an abundance of everything, and um, yeah. everything's at its peak too. Um, yeah. We've put a lot of stuff on special um, to try to move it along today. Mm. Um, but a lot of people have been coming in looking for sauce tomatoes, and um, oh, yeah. I've got plenty available, so I've been keeping them all happy. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's getting to sauce time, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We brought back about... Um, 20 boxes of some Masano aromas for sauce, and um, we wow. sold those. And we had quite a few Doncaster tomatoes that were picked ripe and put in big boxes um, to sell for sauce as well. So um, some people have taken four or five, some have taken one just to make a quick batch of sauce or um, chutney for home. Now, you, you're talking about um, uh, San Mozano, and uh, uh, for years and years and years, it, it appeared to me, and, you know, hey, look, my observations are often wrong, but uh, uh, that Roma was used for sauce. San Mazzano was regarded as the great Italian sauce, uh, tomato for making sauce. It seems that we've slowly been getting more and more stock of it here, and now that you're actually offering it by the box, is uh, is that relatively new? No, not no. relatively new. It's... Um Probably that the summer sun needs a little bit more attention and, yeah. um, and a lot of people are not used to them, but they've always been known as a sauce or um, um, a paste tomato because mm. they're very, very fleshy. And they look um, like, and just to, for people that might not have seen them, they look like a Roma tomato, but instead of being uh, completely round in the circumference of them, you've got these sort of distinct ridges around. Would that be a correct way to describe it? Not so much ridges. They're, most of them are pretty straight. That's an oxart you might be thinking of. Um, this is an elongated tomato. And yeah. um, we've got King Romas here that they're um, twice the size of an egg. Some of them. Yeah. But these little Samazanos, they're um, probably um, like a continental sausage in thickness and um, about four or five centimeters long. Um, nice bright colour yeah. and uh, when you cut them in half there's not a lot of seed, like I said they're all pulp so they give you a magnificent rich sauce Beautiful. Um, the other aromas, some can be a little bit juicier yeah. so you know each one does their own job they all, they all have their little spot in the, the culinary world, hey I've got two questions before we do go uh, firstly the pick of the market and secondly I'm very very interested to know as most listeners are What's for dinner? Dinner tonight, I think we're going to get lucky. Um, we Ooh. took a heap of black Russians home mm. that were very ripe. So I think Frank will make a quick sauce with that and we'll have some pasta. Yep. And um, I cooked um, a standing rib roast and uh, there's a little bit of that left, so we'll have that. A very quick dinner tonight. Wow. Big uh, cook-up tomorrow, more time, more energy. It sounds good. And then casting your eyes around where you are, pick of the market. Pick of the market. We've got beautiful hand-picked green beans from uh, southwest Victoria. Mm. They're uh, very, very tender. When you break them in half, they've still got the jelly inside. They're $9 a kilo. Oh, that's good. Um, And um, we've got some beautiful grapes. We've got 
some nice big sultanas here, some of the bunches, um, 600 grams or more. I would say these have been grown under a shade cloth because the bunches are very pretty and the grapes are all uniform in colour. Mm. And then I've got some more sultanas from another grower. They're golden brown um, and all sugar-like I like. And the beautiful black muscatels that have got seeds inside a very intense (laughs) flavour. So people have been jumping on them. Um, we've got beautiful field grown eggplant from Lajura. We're selling for three fifty a kilo. Whoa, um, that's good. Red capsicums, we're selling some for $3, some for $4 a kilo. Uh, yeah, and beautiful celery, unfortunately, which seems to have gone out of fashion. we got king-size ones for $3. And they're beautiful to eat raw in a salad or on their own or uh, even throw them into a soup or something like that. Well, I tell you what, I was using some celery and we had Rosemary Stanton on talking about the uh, how juice can be a bit bad, but I made tomato juice a little bit more healthy by putting a good amount of vodka in it and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, then, and then having my celery on the on the side and then I also made we were just talking about uh, a really really quick meal where you open up a tin of tuna you add it to some beans and then embellish it and a little bit of chopped celery in there adds a lovely texture to it so it's a great textural thing isn't it you've got all your vitamins and minerals as as well and your omega-3 so how can you complain about that even if you've got a little bit of vodka to liven up your drink yeah Come on. <laughs> That's what I was yeah. saying to myself too. Uh, so, um, and what about stone fruit, just to finish off, John? Um, um, we've still got a fair amount of that around? Yeah, there's a lot around, actually. We um, bought a case of Queen Garnet plums, which is similar Queen to the old um, blood plums. Okay. And, and they're very firm and very dark red. Uh, the juice is like a Shiraz wine, really. So um, Queen Garnet, meaning the queen of this red colour garnet. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. Okay. And there's uh, about four or five other plums that are worth eating. Mm. Um, I can see some beautiful uh, white flesh peaches, yellow flesh, and then there's the old style clingstone peach. Um, they're beautiful too. They raw, or you can stew them up, or you can preserve them in a jar and have them all year round with your ice cream. Mm. Sounds good. Um, Sounds good. There's cheap avocados around, but I'd be careful because apparently a boatload came in from Chile, believe it or not. Um, Hass avocados, John? Yeah, okay. uh, but I'm sure that there's Aussie avocados around. All right. Uh, heaps of apples and pears and beautiful bananas that are calling me. I've got to go and grab some for home because um, Joey and Bianca both like to have a banana for breakfast. Healthy. Well, this is. Can I say, as usual, we've got an abundance of everything. The uh, cherry trusses, we've got three different varieties this week. They've been running away as well. All right, mate. Well, we better leave it. New varieties as well. All right, we're going to leave leave you to it, John. Thank you as always. Look forward to seeing you soon when we come out of all this. Uh, Appreciate you being there for us to guide us with your choices. Say hi to Franca and bon appetito for tonight with the pasta and a little slice of your prime rib on the side. It sounds good. Yeah, it does, mate. All right, mate. All right. Thank you, John. Good luck to everyone and keep safe. All right. Thank you. John of the Market, Queen Victoria Market. You're listening to 3 Triple R. Time is flying from us. Tempest Fugit. We are going to be back with Pat Nurse as soon as we can. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. 
To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Pat Nurse, you going off? Cam Smith. Mate. Like a bucket of prawns in the sun. Hey, like a prawn in the sun. One of my favourite little uh, uh, alliteration. Well, it's not an alliteration, but it's certainly a, a wild image and, uh, and gets one running. Uh, mate, here we are. <laughs> Roller coaster of emotion. Roller coaster is uh, is so correct, and we're not talking about the old scenic railway at Luna Park. We're talking about the Big Dipper with more of those ups and downs, screams, vomiting. You know, yeah, heavy breathing. It's, uh, it's been a it's been an exciting year in the events business, Ken. Uh, and also, just for for those that uh, maybe haven't experienced it, but you know. We have to acknowledge the fact that you uh, and all the people, Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, have been like Sisyphus in rolling that rock up the hill. Roll, 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 and then they change the rock on you. But, you know, as uh, our friend Camus said, Cam, yes. the secret is yes. we're smiling while we're pushing that rock. Really? Is that what Camus said? I don't know. Let's let's roll with that. Oh yeah, well, he's probably, he's, he's probably the, the plague is his sexy book right now. I don't think uh, people have their heads turned there. But I, I was sort of more a regard Camus as sort of you know that garlic shrug of the shoulders going yeah, life is mouth anyway. You know the, the Algerian yes. shrug even. Ah, oh, yes, that's true. Yes, you, uh, you've, you've just got one up on me there, so maybe I should just uh, flee into another subject <laughs> where I'm, I'm obviously better, better to we're chat. We're in deep. We're, we're 20 seconds into the interview. We're in way too deep here. Yeah, Camus. Yeah, Algerian. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> let's, let's slow our roll and let's step back and talk about the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. Take the reins and guide me through, oh, a nurse master. Previously on conversations that Pat and Cam have had about the Northern Food and Wine Festival. About yes. this time last year, yeah. things are looking great, new mm. things happening with the festival. Yes. We'd sold out and like 90% of the stuff we were doing, uh, great guests from around Melbourne, Australia and the world. Then we had to cancel the festival six days out before launch, thanks mm. to a little virus I like to call SARS-2 COVID. Yes. Um, fast forward... What are we, 10 months later? Mm-hmm. Just about 11 just months. About Actually, we're 11 months today. 11, 11. Um, we have just announced our 2021 calendar for the festival with uh, unerring timing. We put this on sale on Friday. Yeah. Um, it's the tagline for, for everyone this year for the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival is one year, three festivals. Yeah. We're doing a March edition, which uh, kicks off on March 12th. We're doing a winter edition, which is all about Melbourne, so two weeks just about Melbourne, um, using the Queen Victoria market as a hub. How we can involve John in that, I'm not yet sure, but we need to put our heads together. <laughs> yes. Um, some sort of agony aunt booth, I'm thinking, yeah. you know, in a COVID-safe nice. way. Nice. And then come spring, we're doing a festival that's all about regional Victoria. Wow. One year, three festivals. March, winter, yes. regional. A triumvirate of deliciousness. Uh, March is on sale right now, Cam. Yeah, and people can play along if you want to join us uh, at uh, melbournefoodandwine.com.au. You can see what is uh, going on. Uh, or going are, off. Going off, mate, like a frog in the sock. Back to that. I, uh, 
leaping frog. <laughs> to that eye-catching analogy, um, I have to tell you, I know this sounds like hard sell, but I'm actually just giving you the straight dirt. Go on. Despite the, the poop. trials and the curveballs of this last few days, or the last couple of days, gosh, yep. Yep. Um, the events for the March edition of the Melbourne Food Wine Festival are selling very quickly. Some indeed um, are sold out. I was looking at it... Uh, and uh, yeah. you can you can check out the events, but uh, if, yeah, there's quite you, a few that are sold. Yeah, so I would say if you want to join us, and I'd really love it if you did, Step Lively, um, the Pet Nap Picnic with Bar Liberty has sold out. The yep. Yum Char at the Flower Drums sold out. If you wanted to make Cider with Max Allen at Rip and Lee. At Forget States, about it. Amazing, that's sold out. Yep. Um, but there's some really great events that still have tickets. There's, we've got kind of... Huge events plus very neighbourhoody events. So things like um, Adrian Richardson's Suckling Pig Feast, which has been a mainstay uh, of the festival in the inner north for many years. There's also a sausage fest with Adrian too, isn't there? Adrian's also doing a sausage fest. It's material (laughs) rights itself. Um, We've put on a program of crawls around the western suburbs of Melbourne in collaboration with the western suburbs of Melbourne. So if you want to get to know... Caroline Springs, Altona, Melton, West Footscray, and eight other um, neighbourhoods of great eating adventures. Um, please join us on one of those. Again, selling fast. And then we're kicking off uh, our March edition with an event we postponed from last year, which is the Bank of Melbourne World's Longest Lunch. Um, with a huge star, my God, the old school stars are there. Oh, Cam, it's as Melbourne as it gets. Oh, like, my God. It's, and it's, it's, it's roll me in black clothing and, you know, cover me in espresso. It's yeah. Stephanie Alexander, and past, Jacques Raymond and Philippe Michel. And past the cannoli, yeah. And in, in Treasury Gardens, um, huge outdoor tables, very COVID safe. Uh, I'd f- like to. i like to add that we've been super rigorous with all of our events and yes. with all of our partners. Um, this is a safe festival um, or as you know as safe as you can be in in COVID life Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone we're working with is you know really on the front foot with that which has been great to see Um, and we're also complementing the world's longest lunch can for those of you who like to get up slightly earlier in the day with the world's longest brunch Brunch, Um, again as Melbourne as it gets uh, we've teamed up with Nathan Tolman from the Mulberry Group um, you know a man who's opens so many defining um, cafes in Melbourne and his close friend Kate Reed from Loon Croissantery um, to write that menu. So it's actually a staggeringly good deal. I'm going to bust out the jazz hands here, Cam, so brace yourself. Oh, do it, do it, do it, do it. Three courses of breakfast designed by Kate Reed and Nathan Tolman and Kate is doing a ridiculously insane pan-fried bread and butter Loon Croissant pudding as the showstopper. Yeah. It's going to blow your mind. I'm doing uh, yeah. spirit fingers. Spirit fingers. Spirit three, fingers. Three courses. Yeah. Uh, a glass of Victorian sparkling wine on arrival, a coffee, and we've collabed with another fantastic Melbourne brand, Mecca Cosmetica, to give you a 75-gram tube of sunscreen from Mecca. It's yeah. insane value. It's ridiculous. It's brain snapping. Um, and there'll be breakfast beers from Brick Lane. Yes. There'll be Bloody Marys. There'll be a... a Fizzy wine, bubble bar, as my colleagues like to call it. So it's going to be a hell of a day uh, on Saturday, the 13th of March, at the Bank of Melbourne World's Longest Brunch. Mm, I hope we'll see you there. 
Look, it, it sounds great. And there's, there's a lot of things that I've been looking at that I would love to go and see. We've got three things. We've got things that cost money. We've got things that are about wine. We've got things that are about cider. We've got things that are about beer. We've got things that are kid-friendly. We've got things that are really profoundly adults-only. Yes. If you've got a hole in your face, Cam, that you can put food in, we have an event for you. I have a hole in my face. I like putting food in it. Where do I sign up? Uh, It just writes itself. It's good. Um, But... Congratulations on uh, keep getting on uh, getting on top of that rock, shall we say? Uh, one that was uh, now where's this one that was interesting? Yeah, go through Peru. The art of dining, though, uh, that looked kind of interesting. There, blindfold, uh, Mr. Blind, Mr. Bianco, optional, optional blindfold. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe looks... Varghetto, as you know, has I don't know what's happening in Joe's brain, but it's an endless stream of ideas. I, mean, I love Joe's he, brain. Uh, Joe's brain is something we should. Yeah. In the That's indefatigable brain, shall we yeah. say. Farlap's heart, Joe's <laughs> brain in the National Museum of Australia. I'm, I'm, if we could do some sort of cyborg yeah. genetic experiment there, I think we'd end up with a really smart horse. And, we, and, and also, no, I, I think we need to turn him into sort of like a Vespa, sort of like a you know cyborg Vespa type thing. Joe, I mean, as, as everyone who listens to this show knows, Joe just rolled with the punches over 2020, doing in cooking classes, doing... Mr. Bianco, so just giving a... a in queue at Mr. Bianco. Yep, yep. Um, Joe published a book last year, um, and as part of his Melbourne Food and Wine Festival 2021 March activity, he's doing, Cam, The Art of Dining, mm. Mm. Um, which marries photography from one of my favourite Melbourne photographers, and I think one of yours... Christopher Paulson. Oh, yes. With, with the art of dining. Yep. Um, and to really get sensual and sensory, there's an optional blindfolded course in that dinner. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to give too much away. Also, I don't really know what's going to happen. No, but, neither do I. But it's interesting. There's a guy here who has his blindfold, and he looks suspiciously like Stephen Cummings from the sports. I don't know whether all that's Stephen reveal, Cummings. All will be revealed on the night. Hi, Stephen, you know, if you're not, listening. I'm not going to say that when you take your blindfold off, Oh Stephen God, Cummings Stephen will be Cummings. in the room, but yeah. I'm not going to rule it out either. And he's going to sing Suspicious Minds for you while that's playing while playing a mandolin. And the magic yeah. of Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. It, okay, well, I'm, I'm making light of it. I really want to just say congratulations to your endurance in all this and putting it on, and we wish the very, very best for Melbourne Food and Wine Festival because it's the thing that defines us, I would say. It, uh, it really, really does. Pat, maybe Mf- we get... MFWF.com on sale now. Can be oh. there or be square. Oh, look, you've, yeah, be, be a part of it, folks. Um, it's all part of us uh, coming out of our little chrysalis and we all will turn into beautiful butterflies. Only connect. Mm, only connect. What does that mean? I think it's a Ian Forster quote. Oh, there you go. See, you got me again. From Camus to Forster, that has been Bam. another episode of Eat It with Cam and Matt. And our literary <laughs> critic, Pat Nurse. I'm your hype man, Pat Nurse. You the are. The flavor flavor of North Fitzroy. <laughs> All right. The uh, flavor, Pat... flavor, flavor. Oh, my God. Stop. It's, it's just stop him. Stop it. Flavor, flavor, flavor. Get that clock from around your neck. We're going to have to go. Uh, Pat, always a pleasure. Let's have a chat during maybe festival and we can uh, uh, give you guys some love and uh, see how it's all going. I'm so there. Thanks, Cam. All Thanks, righty. Matt. We're, uh, we're in our final minute. Yeah. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed things, folks. 
Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 